0: Welcome to the podcast of Mosaic Church, celebrating diversity within community. Uh, all of our songs and the scripture James has read so far all point to a powerful God. Starting with He's able to do, well, let's, let's have a very short conversation about what he's not able to do, uh, and the conversations over, right? It's just, it's, we, God is able to do so much and yet we limit a lot of that or we're fearful or we let anxiety or fear creep in and tell us, well, God can't do this or won't do this. And, um, and so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning, um, and then we moved into a song called Indescribable. And the line that always gets me in that song is in the second verse. It says, you see the depths of my heart and you just love me the exact same. I don't know that I could say that about, you know, maybe your mama, you know, and that's not even true for everybody. That's probably true for me. Um, that somebody could see all the darkness that's inside of you, all the negative thoughts. You know, and some of them are wrapped up in religious lace, right? Like some of our thoughts are, I don't really like this thing because, and we'll have all the spiritual you know, examples as to why. You know? um, God sees the real thing inside of there, like the thing that's saying I'm, I'm wanting all of this to be more about me than anything else. I want it to be about me, my enjoyment, what I get out of it, and the fact that I'm worshiping a God that is so big. They can do so much. You know, God, I don't like the way this person smells. I don't like the way this person looks. I don't like the way this person treats me. They don't treat me very good. And so I have these negative thoughts about them, and God sees that negative thought is really the fact that you're not willing to look past yourself and what you're getting out of the relationship and look to God and say, God, what can you get into it? Willie, as we talked about this as a worship team this morning, and um, we test... (laughs) The depths of God's power every Sunday morning, trusting that God will provide into our hearts and to our spirits the songs that we're to sing. Even this morning, it shows up. In the last few times, it showed up even in the devotion that we do together. It's not planned. In fact, this morning we opened up the guidepost to what it was for today. I mean, the um, our daily bread. And if you if you have one at your house and you read it, you would have read a story about God being powerful. It's like, wow, that's great. And as James is reading the scripture, I'm like, that's exactly where we're at this morning. So all the songs that we did, all the scriptures we read point to the fact that God is so big and so great. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, One of the things that I love about, about worship and the fact that it's about God and not about me is it allows me to not particularly like a song. And it still speaks to me. Last week, we did a song that I remember very well from my childhood. I didn't really love the song from my childhood. (laughs) But uh, it was, uh, I didn't particularly love the song last week. It's like, oh, man, that's cool. I hadn't heard it in a while. But only from a nostalgic sense, not from a sense that it was really speaking to me, if I'm being honest. And I find myself this week just caught up in life and like, oh, man, What if this doesn't go right? Actually, what I find myself doing is manufacturing worry. I'm sure I'm the only person in this room that does that. Um, But I'm just like, it's like things are going too good, so something's got to happen, and, you know, this could be it. And so I start focusing on what could be. It's not even really true, and I have now consumed my brain with this. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, people who do that, but I know I'm not alone in that. And so I'm I'm just focusing, I'm intentionally focusing my thoughts on this thing as I woke up one morning, which sounds completely asinine when you say that out loud in a rational sense. But we know that sometimes comes from an irrational place. And so I'm just really consumed with me and my life and what my worries are. And I'm not even, sometimes I'll catch myself. And hopefully you may be like this too. You'll catch yourself and so you'll try to, sing a song or, you know, think scripture or pray or something to kind of jolt your, you know, kind of, I don't know what you call those paddles that they use at the hospital, you know, like they used on ET, but to kind of jolt your heart back into rhythm, Uh whatever that is, defibrillator, is that what it is? Yeah, defibrillator, there we go. But it's like sometimes I use that to try to, you know, kind of jolt me back into like, okay, God's got this, everything's good, don't worry. I wasn't doing that. I was just like, let's... And before I knew it, my brain just kind of fallen falling down this trail. And I kind of zone out. And next thing you know, I'm singing a song. I'm like, what in the world am I singing? And I, I realized what it was. And it was from last Sunday. And it was a song I didn't really like. <laughs> but the words God were bringing back to my mind, and I wasn't intentionally doing this. And it was, so forget about yourself. Concentrate on him and worship him. God brings this to me in the midst of when I'm not looking for that. And I kind of, when I realize what's going on, I kind of laugh and I was like, all right. Uh, so hopefully, we're getting the sense that God does use music and He does use Scripture. He does use prayer. He does use how we serve people. He uses how people serve us all ways to point to Him. Because all of this is about God. And so this morning, we're going to talk about for a few minutes the characteristics of God three specific characteristics. If you read the email this week, they're characteristics that we throw around in church a lot. Uh, We don't find them in scripture. I think the King James maybe uses one of these words once in Revelation, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But we don't really read these words in the Bible. We throw them around a lot. They're Latin words. Omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent try to say this too quickly, you get tongue-tied, okay? These, these ideas of who God is. Now, the interesting thing is the Latin word or the prefix, I don't know if it's a prefix or it's actually word, but we are using it in these words as a prefix, but omni basically means all, right? So and we're, when we're talking about it being om, omnipresence, God's present everywhere, all the time. And if you've ever been in really good situations, you're like, yeah, that's obvious. If you've ever been in really just not so good situations, like, God, how are you present here? God's present everywhere. God is omniscient. God is all knowing. He knows exactly. He's not surprised, right? He's never like, oh, I really, that kind of took me off guard. I really was not expecting that. And then God is omnipotent. So we're going to kind of go in that order, omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, and omniscient, and omnipresent. We're going to go in the backward order from that. Um, but I just want to read something that I, that I, was, that I had read before uh, that helped us get into this as we discuss it. And we're going to pull the scriptures out. But I, before I do, I want to read Psalm 145. This is a psalm that's attributed to David. And it just says it's a psalm of praise. But David captures these truths about God in this psalm. So Psalm 145. is 21 verses. We're just, we're just going to read them all. I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of your glorious splendor, of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the power of your awesome works. And I will, pro- and I will proclaim your great deeds. They, will, they celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. All Your works praise You, Lord. Your faithful people extol You. They tell of the glory of Your kingdom and speak of Your might so that all the people may know of Your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of Your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all He promises and faithful in all He does. The Lord upholds all, excuse and lifts up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all you, excuse me, the eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and faithful in all he does. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cries of those who save him. He hears their cries and saves them. The Lord watches over all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak in praise of the Lord. Let's pray. Praise his holy name forever and ever. Let's pray. God, there are not enough adjectives to describe you. And all the ways that you have worked and continue to work in our lives and, and through us and the people that we've seen and loved dearly and through them, God, you. our ways are not your ways and our thoughts are not your thoughts. We can't comprehend who you are God, we are thankful that you love us. And so, this morning, as we dive into this, God, would you open our hearts to characteristics of you that we haven't yet even contemplated? Reveal yourself to us. We pray in your name, Amen. So, the first one is omnipresent. That God is always present. There is not a place in this world that we can go that God is not already at work. When I was 14 years old, uh, my mom and dad lost their minds and they let me go to Venezuela by myself. So I get on a plane in greenville Spartanburg Airport with uh, five people I'd never met in my life. They were all teenagers and their moms and dads lost their minds too. And we fly down to Miami, to a city I've never been in, to meet up with a group of people I'd never met in my life and spend five days there talking, learning, doing some different things. And then and then everybody who gathered there in Miami kind of split out into different places. Some went to South America. Some went to uh, Eastern Europe. Some went to Western Europe. Some went to Africa. I went to Venezuela with a group of, there's probably a couple thousand people teenagers who met in this location. And there was probably about a hundred of us who went to Venezuela. I was flying back some of the people from Spartanburg that I had gone with um, that I did not know at all. And I didn't get to know them any better because once we got to Miami, they went to with their group and they were going to Nicaragua, which years later I would adopt a little boy from there and spend a lot of time in that country. They're like, yeah, we had water um, pressure for about three days during the entire month. I was like, man, you couldn't take a shower for three, but only three days a whole month. That's not cool. And he looked at me and said, yeah, you couldn't flush the toilet for but three days during that whole month either. And I was like, yikes. So I was thankful. I went to Venezuela. My mom and dad lost their minds. But here I am. Now, the idea, you may have pieced this together, but we went to do mission work, right? We went to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in, in another country, and um, it, was a, it was a great experience for a 14-year-old kid. Um, but here's what I thought. I thought, here I am, doing this really good work, and I'm taking Jesus with me to this dark, dark place where Jesus doesn't exist, with a hope that some could be converted, and now Jesus is going to be there. And what a small view of God that was. God is God was already there way before friar and his band of teenagers got there. And God was there thankfully long after we left. There's no place where we can go that God is not. God does not exist. And what a comforting thing that is. There's lots of applications to this, but I'll tell you a quick story Um, we see this promise. Let me just say this. When we're looking at Scripture, we we see this promise in Matthew uh, 28. what's often referred to as the Great Commission, and people look to that and say, God's sending, and He is sending. But the great part about Matthew 28 is the very last line of it, where Jesus looks at these disciples that He's sending out, knowing very well what the end result for all these gentlemen are going to be. And he says, but don't worry, I'm going to be with you always. Up until it ends, I'm going to be with you. I saw this beautiful picture, Terry. uh, and We'll we'll pray for Terry a little later. If you didn't hear, he was not able to have his surgery this week um, because a wound on his leg still has not healed completely. Uh, So we're going to pray for him that that happens uh, quickly. So that he can have the surgery because the pain in his hip is pretty severe. So, um, but Terry and I and uh, I can't remember if Al went. Did you go with us see that movie? Where that guy was in that cave. No, okay. Couldn't remember who I was there. I know Michael went uh, was there and some of Terry's friends from Pebble Creek came out and we watched this beautiful story. And it was it was really to be um, to tell the full picture of it. It was a it was a movie about the dangers of uh, lust and what that can do. And it wasn't just, you know, uh, sexual lust. It was just generally speaking, but they did focus a lot on that, as that is uh, fairly common for all of humanity. But the beautiful part of this story that they had taken and, like, played out in this image was this man was drawn to this woman that was across the, kind of across the sea there, They could see each other. It was like another island. And he kept looking back, and he was drawn to it, and he was drawn to it. And finally, he gives in and goes over to that island. And as soon as he does, the female turns, and it's no longer attractive. And he's able to see sin as what it really is. And now he is stuck in this cave where there's all these just kind of gnarly, looking creatures and they're stuck and there's death and there's dying and there's and guess where the Christ figure was the Christ figure wasn't on the other island the Christ figure was there in the cave to pull them out what a beautiful picture the fact that God is present with us everywhere even when we're messing that up even when we're choosing the thing that we shouldn't choose that Jesus took on all of that sin so that when God looks at us, he sees perfection. And because of that, we know, and Jesus promises, I'm going to be with you wherever he goes. He didn't tell the disciples, I'm going to be with you, with you unless you mess up. And then I'm going to be back over here until you get it right and come back. That is a beautiful story to be able to share with someone who maybe had a relationship with God and is trying to walk away from it. It's a beautiful picture to share of someone who does not yet know the creator of everything and doesn't know yet that they love him. It's a good reminder for all of us that God goes with us wherever we go. He's there, ever present. For God to be with us, we go throughout our day be with us as we worship, be with us as we whatever. And the truth of it is that God is already there. And one thing that we can do to change that is to God, make me aware of your presence where I go. Help me to see how your hand is already at work. That gives us permission then to join God in what he's already doing rather than thinking we got to create something that's out of nothing. That's encouraging as a church. We can go into easily and join what God is already doing. We can go to Crestview and join what God is already doing in the hearts and minds of, you know, men and women and children there. We don't have to recreate the wheel. God's already created it. We can just join him in what he's doing. God, make me aware of your presence and what you are doing so I can join you. God is omniscient. I wanted to say omni. I realize that wouldn't sound real good. But there's this, uh, and so what that means is that God is all knowing. There's nothing that surprises God, and sometimes we wish that that wasn't the case, right? If you've ever had bad news, if you ever had loss, if you've ever had, uh, um, you know, something that didn't really go your way, you wish that God was like, "Man, I didn't know that either. Here, let's fix this and get out of it." It's a lot harder to think God knew that. Because what do we want to think next? Well, God, why don't you stop it? If we're we're being honest. There's an interesting story in Jeremiah. If you know about the prophet Jeremiah, he was not a popular guy as most prophets were not. And here Jeremiah is. He's sent to tell this nation that is actually doing pretty good that uh, things aren't going to go real good. You're about to be sent into captivity. You're about to be sent uh, away for not a short time. Remember, they were gone for over 70 years. And here's this message Jeremiah has been, been sent to tell them. But in Jeremiah 32, there's an interesting story about Jeremiah and a land purchase. And if I remember right, I think he bought it from like his uncle or his brother-in-law or something like that. So if you flip over to Jeremiah 32, if you have a Bible, it's not on there because it's a lot longer to read. But uh, Jeremiah 32, there's this, uh, Jeremiah has been prophesying, okay, for the first 31 chapters of this. God's about to ransack this land. It's about to become taken over, just kind of completely demolished, everything left desolate. And then what a guy called Jeremiah makes sense, land, to buy a field. It does not make sense if you know that it's about to be destroyed. But this is what God calls Jeremiah to do. And this is the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah, or this is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Zedekiah, the king of Judah, who was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. The army, the king of Babylon, was then besieging Jerusalem, and Jeremiah the prophet was confined into the courtyard of the guard in the royal palace of Judah. And now Zedekiah, the king of Judah, had imprisoned him there, saying, what do you, Why do you prophesy as you do? You say, This is what the Lord says. I am about to give this city into the hands of the king of Babylon, and he will capture it. Zedekiah, the king of Judah, will not escape the Babylonians, but will certainly be given into the hands of the king of Babylon and will speak with him face to face and see him with his own eyes. He will take Zedekiah to Babylon, where he will remain until I deal with him, declares the Lord. If you fight against these Babylonians, you will not succeed. So the king, Zedekiah, is asking Jeremiah, why are you saying this? Jeremiah said, the word of the Lord came to me. Hanamel, son of Shalom, your uncle is going to come to you and say, by my field at Anathoth. That place doesn't exist anymore, because as nearest relative, because as the nearest relative, it is your right and duty to buy it. Then, just as the Lord had said, my cousin Hanamel came to me in the courtyard of the guard and said, "Buy my field at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin, since it is your right to redeem it and possess it. Buy it for yourself." I knew that this was the word of the Lord, so I bought the field at Anathoth for my cousin Hanamel. And weighed out for him seventeen shekels of silver. I signed and sealed the deed, had it witnessed and weighed on the silver uh, and had it witnessed and weighed out the silver on the scales. I took the deed of purchase, the sealed copy containing the items and the conditions, as well as the unsealed copy, and I gave this deed to Baruch, son of Neriah. So he's basically he just buys this thing. Okay, I'm not reading all these people's names. But he knows what's about to happen in the presence of I gave Baruch these instructions. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, said. Take these documents, both sealed and unsealed, copies of the deed of purchase, and put them in a clay jar so they will last a long time. For this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Houses and fields, vineyards will again be bought in this land. After I've given the deed of purchase to Baruch, Samariah, I prayed to the Lord. Ah, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. You show love to thousands but bring the punishment for the parents' sins into the laps of their children after them. Great and mighty God, whose name is the Lord Almighty, great are your purposes and mighty are your deeds. Your eyes are open to the ways of all mankind. You reward reward each person according to their conduct and as their deeds deserve. You performed signs and wonders in Egypt and have continued them to this day in Israel and among all mankind. You have gained renown renown that is still yours. And he goes on and on a little bit further. But Jeremiah is able to look this ridiculous situation in the face, the situation where he's not only been prophesying this land is about to be destroyed, but they're actually kind of beginning to see the fringes of it taking place. And he buys this land. And after he does it, he's able to pray, God, your deeds are good and your ways are good. Jeremiah knows God sees all. And it may not, I don't know that Jeremiah made it to the end of this. I don't remember from my Christian survey classes from seminary so many years ago that that was one piece of information that did not stick in my brain. Did Jeremiah make it to the end of the uh, exile? I do not remember. Jeremiah did not, his concern was not, am I going to see this to fruition? His concern was, God knows everything and God has told me to buy this. So what other choice do I have? We, we talked this morning as a worship team about this healthy fear of God that really kind of doesn't exist as much or doesn't seem to exist as much now as it did when I was a kid. This idea that God could do anything. I remember being struck by this when I was in my early 30s and Natalie and I were living over on the east side of Greenville and I was driving uh, to a church that we, were, that we were at one night and a tornado literally spun over my head and I remember thinking, because I was reading in uh, First and Second Kings, all the prophecies and all the things that God was doing um, and one that stuck out in my brain was there was prophet that spoke to the king of israel said a dog is going to lap up your blood and he laughed at him because he was the most powerful king and they're fighting this little small country and somebody just shoots an arrow and you may remember the story just shoots an arrow blindly up in the air and it hits the king and he rides his chariot back and gets almost to the outskirts of town and finally dies they find him sitting there just right on the outskirts of town but he's dead bleeding all over this thing and as they're washing his chariot out what is happening dogs are lapping up the water that contains that's kind of nasty you don't want that dog to come and kiss you but the fact that God's word wasn't going to this guy did not have a healthy fear that what God said he could do he could do God was all knowing he knew what was going to happen he was able to send word through his prophet and let it be so And we get that comfort of knowing that God knows everything, even when we're in the midst of a situation that makes absolutely no sense to us. It may make us angry at God. I have been there. Me and God have had words before. I've been unbelievably mad. But we ultimately have to come back like Jeremiah and say, God, your ways are good and your purposes are great. Your deeds are great. Because you, you know every, you know the end part of the story that I don't. That is a comfort to us. that is not meant to sit as condemnation to us or as a negative word that is comfort because we can walk into the hardest situations or the easiest situations and know that, that God knows the end result of this thing. And we can trust and lean on God. There's not a second to go, that goes by where God is not aware of everything, absolutely nothing that he should learn or have to think about. He's never called off guard. And it's mind-blowing to us to think of a God who knows everything. So we can very easily come to him in prayer because he already knows, just like we read in Matthew last week. Father already knows what you need before you even ask him, so just come to him real simply. The last one, the one we're going to spend a few seconds longer on is just the omnipotent part. Because in my opinion, that encompasses all of this. The powerfulness of God, that God is able to do exactly what he said he was going to do. God's able to do whatever he wants to do. He's all powerful. All power belongs to him. He possesses it all. He can do anything he wants. He never gets winded. He never grows tired, his strength's never zapped, he never has to take a nap, although I'm sure he likes to on Sunday afternoons. He may see impossible we may see impossible things in front of us, but with God there's nothing at all that is impossible. And we have to keep that at the forefront of our brains. We're looking at impossible situations if we look across the scope of Christianity in the US. This is not, not does not take God by off guard. When the same thing happened in Europe. It went like, "Oh man, now we got to scramble. I really got to, you know, infuse some people with my spirit so they can kind of go out and because we've got to correct this thing." Like, none of it surprised God. God knew it all, and so we can trust and rely and move in His power and His goodness. I want to read you a story, a, a scripture from Job. This one isn't there, Michael, but it's a scripture in Job. He necessarily, deserve acknowledges this to God. God. Gave Job all the stuff he didn't necessarily deserve, and God took it all away. And initially, Job was able to say, God gives and God takes away. But the name of the Lord, be praised. And then his buddies come in, and he gets a few more things. His body starts to get attacked, and now he's in this dialogue with his buddies. But he's still able to say these words, which I'll flip to really quickly. In Job 26, verses 12, 13, and 14, By his power, he turned up the sea. By his wisdom, he cut Rahab into pieces. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. So he starts out with this, like, God, you are so good. You are so big. You can do all this stuff. Like, by your breath, you can take the storm away. The skies are made fair. And then Job writes, says this, and these are but the outer fringes of your work. This is just the tip of what you can do, God. How faint a whisper that we can hear Him. Who then can understand the thunder of His power? I haven't been there. Some of you probably have. But I've heard about the noise that erupts when you get out of a vehicle outside of Niagara Falls. And it's just thunderous, kind of. the God's voice is bigger than all that. But you can stand at the edge of, I've heard it's almost like a spiritual experience to stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon and to see what was made. And that's just on the outer fringes of what God can do. And yet we as a people in our own individual lives, as a church, we can look at what's facing us and say, God, there is no hope is all-powerful. God can do anything that He wants to do. That doesn't mean that God has to do anything we want Him to do. That Therein lies the rub, right? Like We want God to do these things. And so we can get angry when God doesn't. We can get disenfranchised with God and say, forget all this. It doesn't matter. There's nothing that God can't do. It doesn't mean that's what God will do. And we, as his creation, have to be good and say, God, you are all-knowing. You are all-present. You are all-powerful. You can do this. If you don't, you're all-knowing as to why. We have to be like, eventually get to be like Job and say, God, you're, you're God. And when we can look at all that, It it really is small for us to think that the worship of this creator falls into a couple of good songs that we like on a Sunday in the way that we like them, or a nice service for an hour or an hour and nine minutes, or whatever it is that we use to construct in worship, because worship of God is about so much more that God can see the depths of who we are and still love us. That is amazing. There are people that I have had an unloving attitude towards that I just saw a tip of who they were. I'm like, run them off. I'm like, that's I know who you are. And that's not true. I didn't take time to get to know, but God knows the depths of who we are and still loves us. It's truly phenomenal To comprehend just a portion of who God is. And that is where our worshiping Him for who He is should come easy. When we don't understand something, we can do like Job and just worship God. We can do like Jeremiah and say, I have a clue why I'm about to do this, but your deeds are great. You are a good God. When things are, when all things with God, all things are possible. There's no circumstances, there's no attitudes. There's no person outside God's power. Remember, you don't need to necessarily have great faith in God, but you need to have faith in a great God. 2 Timothy 1.7 was a Bible verse I memorized as a kid. It had a little song or rhyme to it. You may have memorized the same one at some point in your life. But, it's, but it talks about how God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Good news is that God has given us the same power that was in him. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead lives in us. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness, according to first, excuse me, according to 2 Peter. Normal Christian life is to be characterized by power for living. It's normal to experience and tap into God's power on a daily basis. We can. It's there for us. But here's the good news. We don't have to be strong to get this power. Sometimes we think, well, that's set apart for the really good people who are really, I fall in this trap all the time. It's like I'm blowing it, God. That's why you're not working. But in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, what does Paul say? He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul says, therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly in what I can't do not a good public speaker, great. I'll boast all the more in that. Because when God does something through that, it all points to God. Paul actually went so far in another verse to say, I actually am trying, I can speak really eloquently because I've been trained really well, and I try not to because I don't want to take the power away from the cross of Christ. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power can rest on me we can boast on the fact that there is we're not really good people we can't really do like when we're comparing us ourselves to God right we're not God knows the depths of our hearts we're not fantastic and yet God can choose to use us and God does choose to use us his power can work through us we don't have to be made perfect before that happens in fact Paul says I'm going to boast in what I can't do because that's just showing who God is I've told you guys this before. Like I want to pray for the supernatural, the miraculous to happen, so that it can point to God and maybe, but maybe God's supernatural and miraculous is just working through an imperfect person to show Himself. And so this morning, we get to worship God through opening the Scripture and talking about it. We get to worship God as we take communion and he instructs us to, as often as we break bread to remember him and to sacrifice. And so we intentionally try to do that every Sunday. We're going to sing songs. We're going to fellowship with each other afterwards, I'm certain. We're going to care for one another throughout the week. All that points to God. And as we do that, let us remember that God has characters, every single one of them are so much better than us. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. And we get to come and we get to worship that God, thanking thanking Him for the fact that nothing surprises you. Nothing's outside of your hand. And we can very confidently pray because God already knows what we need. So this morning, as we come to the table, let us come to the table this morning with on our hearts and minds... These attributes of God—they don't make sense because our brains can't wrap around that. <laughs> because we never met a person who had any of these, not even like one. And so, this morning, as we come to the table, as we sing one one more song together, uh, and even as we leave here, let's, let our focus be on me, on the goodness, the powerfulness of God. Let that be what moves us to worship this morning. Let's pray. God, this morning we're a little dumbfounded and in awe of the fact that you are better than anything that we could conceive of. If we were coming up with a God, uh, it probably would not, it certainly would not encompass all that you really are. We can't comprehend who you are and what you do. How you love, how you care. A lot of times, God, I can't comprehend why (laughs) you do. Why you still care? Sometimes it's easier for me to to remember the stories of the sons of Korah who were just swallowed up by the land. And say, well, God, you should probably just do that, and I should probably be in the center of that group of people. Why do you keep loving? Why do you keep pouring out your goodness on us? God, that drives us every day to worship you even more. Could we be faithful people to share the story of a good God who loves us in spite of all that we do, all that we don't do, all that we say with our lips and then never actually carry out? God, in all the ways that we fail you, and yet you still love us and work through us? Could that be a message to those who don't yet know you of your goodness and your love and your mercy and your kindness and your faithfulness? Just like David prayed, God, judge me according to your faithfulness, not according to mine. God, we love you. We thank you. We worship you. We acknowledge that you have all power. with that on our hearts and our minds. God, we lift up our brother Terry to you this morning. It did not surprise you that he walked into the hospital on Sunday and came back on Monday without having a surgery? We don't understand it. You do. But God, we know you're powerful. Would you show us how powerful you are. God, would you work in Terry's situation? Take the pain away, be it through the joint replacement or through a miraculous work. God, we're thankful for the stories we got to hear last week of your faithfulness and how you love. God, would you continue to bring those to our hearts? God, would you bring to our minds places in our lives that we may have ignored, but they were truthfully your faithfulness at work. God, we love you. We're thankful that we get to play a part of your story. Even though we have darkness inside of us, God, you love us. And that is reason to come and to praise you. God, so many times I think that that doesn't reside in me that I'm actually pretty good. But compared to you, Scripture is true, none of us are. But yet you are so good. May that be what drives us to worship you, God. We pray. Amen. Psalm 18 verse 30 reads, As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. He is a shield for all who take refuge in him. For who is God besides the Lord? And who is the rock except our God? It is God who arms me with strength and makes my way perfect. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to stand on the heights. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information, please visit us at www.mosaiceasily.org.